This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good evening. At 10.50, you are listening to Battle for Malaysia, our coverage of GE15. We're with you the whole night. Shawik Dashran and Dr. Bridget Welsh, Honorary Research Associate from the University of Nottingham, Malaysia, Asia Research Centre in the studio. We're doing talk back all night. WhatsApp us with your messages or voice notes, 018-789-8899. We have some quick news updates to get to Dash. Yes, a lot of results are coming in after, you know, the first few hours, um, very slow uh, news flow. But now, yeah, a lot. Um, Barisat National, um, so far, again, unofficial results. We are taking this from uh, Malaysia Kini's unofficial results. Barisat National has 10 seats. Perikatan National 10 seats, Harapan currently in the lead at, with 27 seats, and GPS 14 seats, and we have, um, I think it's uh, PBM has one seat perhaps in the back um, in Sarawak. So we are still, uh, you know, waiting for things to flow, but there are certain important uh, results that need to be highlighted. For example, Said Sadeh has retained um, MUA, and this, um, unlike the 2013, uh, 2014, uh, 2018 GE14 elections where he ran under the, um, he was part of Bersatu, ran under the Keadilan logo. Uh, this time it is the first um, debut for Muda's logo at the general election. He retained MUA, and also um, importantly, ex education minister and a new PKR member, he joined PKR after Lanka Sheraton. Um, Mazli Male has reportedly lost Simpang Rengam. So um, maybe some quick thoughts on that. Um, Bridget, um, uh, Said Sade retaining more and as well as Mazli Male um, losing Simpang Rengam. So I think that let's talk about Simpang Rengam first. Of course, the candidate he's running against is Hasni, uh, who was favored. Uh, and I think, you know, I think that uh, this is it was expected to be a seat that I felt that BN would win and Amna would win. Um, and I think, uh, he, you know, Masli faced a tough contest uh, running against the former chief minister of Johor, a uh, very popular person. Um, in the case of Moir, uh, what we do see is that the, the margin was very slim. And uh, Parkta National did picked up quite a lot of votes, particularly in the areas of Maharani and parts of um, uh, um, uh, other parts of Moir. So my projection, you know, I think is what we saw as a very tough battle, um, which was won uh, by, uh, in a way that, you know, Muda has only won one of the four seats that they, uh, five seats that they competed in. In in my sense is that, uh, you know, all the other seats were very tough. Uh, Tanjung Piai was the other one that was closer, uh, but um, it was also a very difficult battle. And we have a WhatsApp question from Prakash. Is this a rejection of Masli Male or PH as a party uh, where he is now? I, I don't personally think so. I think it's more uh, an endorsement of Hasni. You know, keep in mind that the Johor state elections were run around him as the as the as the MB, and I think that uh, uh, you know he he is a very popular figure in, in Johor. Um, uh, but I do also think that uh, Masli had some problems in the campaign, um, uh, and I think he had some challenges. Uh, so there were some incidents and things that that created a bit of profile. Um, he didn't do well at the state election either. One has right. to keep in mind and in, in lying. So I think as a consequence, uh, uh, you know, he, he was he was having an uphill battle, irrespective uh, in that context. 
Okay, and I want to bring in to our conversation Charles Santiago, former MP for Klang, who has been waiting very patiently on Zoom. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for waiting, Charles. And, no worries, no worries. <laughs> and uh, you know what we wanted to sort of bring you in to, to discuss as well from the very grassroots perspective, um, you know, is uh, the Indian swing voters. Um, I, I, I guess, you know, um, one could argue that the community has been often left out of the, of the narrative, right? So uh, maybe for you to put into context for us, how important are uh, the Indian voters? Uh, I think uh, the Indians, uh, Indian voters in general uh, were considered to be kingmakers in about 28 to 38 different constituencies uh, in Malaysia. Uh, but unfortunately, they are only kingmakers for two weeks during the elections. And once the elections are over, uh, it's back to square one, uh, where Indian voice or Indian issues or Indian aspirations or even their problems uh, are not given priority. But I can assure you that in these elections, uh, Indians uh, across the board, across the board, uh, whether they're B40 and 60 or even D20, uh, took a position that they would like to support Pakistan Harapan because in the states of Slango, Penang, and also to a lesser extent, it Milan, the government has really reached out, reached out quite a bit uh, to, uh, to the Indians in terms of the various social protection policies that the government has offered. Uh, Perak was important. I went to Perak uh, two times in two, two or three different areas uh, and uh, in the last two weeks. And I could see a sense that uh, people feel a bit betrayed by the Barisan government, that their lot, that their position has not changed, especially the B40. The uh, upward mobility is a problem. Poverty is uh, still uh, very much part of the Indian poor. Uh, and therefore, uh, nothing much has changed. So I think, uh, and I hope that uh, PH comes to power uh, by end of today or early tomorrow, uh, and there'll be a definitely a forward-looking policy for the Indian community so that they feel that democracy works for them, that the political process in the country eventually res uh, provides a positive response to the plight of the Indian poor or, and the lower middle classes. Um Charles, I also want to ask you about, you know, Indian representation within the the, polit uh, the political landscape itself, between the uh, among the political elites, right? Because we have seen, um, you, you talk about how, you know, Indian issues often get neglected as after elections, you know, the, during elections, you know, everybody's uh, playing the, you know, the, the, the tabla and all these things and playing Indian music and dancing and all sorts of things. But after elections, it's, it's regularly forgotten. But I also want to talk to you about Indian representation because this this elections, we've seen a number of um, progressive Indian representatives being dropped, such as yourself and even uh, Sivarasa from PKR. Uh, do you think this will have an impact on galvanizing Indian voters? Well, I think, you know, uh, I know for sure Sivarasa was on the ground and I certainly was on the ground, uh, traveling from Kutumlaka right up to uh, Cameron Highlands and, you know, to many places. And I think one of the questions that I was always asked, even while I was making a presentation or doing the drama, why did the DAP drop either? I mean, we can talk about the history and so on and so forth. But I think uh, that's not going to solve our problem right now. I think going forward, there are specific commitments in the Pakata Harapan Manifesto uh, talking about uh, opportunities for farmers, Indian farmers or Indian poor uh, education, as well as uh, jobs and support for small and medium industries. I think these are areas that I think that the Pakta Harapan government should be focusing on going forward. But it's unfortunate some of the people who keep raising uh, Indian concerns or the structural poverty of the Indians together with the Malays and looking for uh, you know some kind of a solution at the national level 
in the context of the economic growth of the country uh, out of the picture now. But I think, you know, we just have to be a bit more imaginative and creative in the way we keep the lobby work, we keep the pressure on whether it's Pakatan Harapan or whether it's uh, uh, BNPN or whatever the coalition that is going to come forward. All right. Uh, I think I think generally we need to look at poverty just not from a, a racial lens, but also from a national lens. We need to look at Indian poverty together with Chinese poverty, Orang Asli, as well as Malay poverty. Uh, but what is interesting is in terms of average uh, income in the last so many years, Indians have really dropped further quite a bit, uh, not even marginally, but quite a bit compared to the place. So, you know, you can fairly say now that the most poorest people in the country today, besides the Orang Asli, are Indian poor. All right. Good points. Thank you so much, Charles. That was Charles Santiago, former MP for Klang, speaking to us. And um, we'll be going for the news break after this. But don't forget to WhatsApp and send us your voice notes at 018789 Dr. Bridget Welsh has been in the studio with us, Honorary Research Associate from the University of Nottingham, Malaysia, Asia Research Centre. Do stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.